Are you a shower singer? What tunes do you belt out in the privacy of your bathroom? My family used to sing American Pie from start to finish on long road trips. The 70s, it really did feel like it was bringing us together across generations. Or perhaps you've formalised your love of singing a bit and you're in a choir. Many health benefits there, apparently. My next guest is only too happy to shout those benefits from the rooftops and also tell us why we sound better in the shower. Julia Hollander is a singing therapist, a teacher, a performer. Her book is called Why We Sing. It's a memoir, but it's much more than that too. Julia, welcome. Hi. Hi. Now, tell us about the spring of 2020 and and how that set off this train of thought for you. Hmm. Actually, I was thinking about container ships because <laughs> <laughs> here's your link. The link is the container ships stopped and the whales started singing like they'd never sung before, like for generations they hadn't been able to because it was silent in the oceans. And they had these amazing songs that traveled for thousands of miles. And <laughs> that sort of news, along with the birds in the spring, in the April 2020, the birds in the UK were phenomenal. It was a really most beautiful spring. Um, The sounds of nature singing started me thinking how weird it was that singing was such a specialist thing in the human species and that my specialism of singing, of course, had stopped because we were banned from singing it because for a long while people thought it was one of the reasons that people had caught COVID was singing together. Yes, indeed. And that must have been such a difficult time for you, Julia, that something you love doing so much and have done so much of in your life was banned. What was it like? Mm. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Actually, they they even closed the churches here, which they hadn't done since the 13th century. So that was something because I've always sung in churches. And when they reopened, which was maybe three, four months into the pandemic, That was my first job again, was to go and sing solo, of course, miles up in the gallery away from the congregation who were all, you know, distanced and all, actually most of them online. But it was a very strange, silent time. Very, very strange. And Julia, tell us what singing has means to you and and I guess more broadly, why we do sing. The title of the book is Why We Sing. Why do we? Hmm. Well, my book takes you from the cradle to the grave. So in the cradle bit, my research came up with this really special book called The Singing Neanderthals, which was written by Stephen Mitham about maybe 20 years ago now, uh, an academic in Reading. And he's decided because of various things like the size of the skull and where the nerves go in the skull of a Neanderthal, that a Neanderthal may not have been able to speak, but they sure could sing. So the idea is that even before our kind of human, the Homo sapiens evolved, we were singing to one another and through singing we were able to communicate all our emotions, communicate abstract ideas like high and low and rich and poor and, you know, dark and light. Um, And we had this really solid community because one of the things that singing does is it brings oxytocin into the system so our bodies emit oxytocin when we sing and that bonds us to one another so communities were really strong partly because they were singing with one another so that's something that's in our prehistory and it's something that comes out when we sing to our babies it's something when we sing in community it's an amazing force that we do completely intuitively lullabies are sung all around the world nobody 
It's very rare for someone not to sing to their small baby. Well, yes, and you write in your book, Julia Hollander, about how you know it, it promotes bonding, singing with your baby, uh, helps with the mm. acquisition of language. But you also say that there's yeah. a measurable impact on toddlers' later learning if they have early musical experiences when they're toddlers. What What's the yeah. evidence for that? Well, this is research that's been done around the world, but in the UK they've discovered that even... Even if you have a singing and a musical education in your childhood, it will impact on your brain power later in life. In other words, you're you know you're less likely to lose language. You're less less likely to fall into senility. Your hearing is helped because you've been you've exercised your hearing muscles so acutely from early on. Any musical education benefits you at any point in your life, even in old age. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And you also write about uh, that singing is good for our psychological health. What's going on there? Hmm. Well, that's the serotonin and the and the cortisol thing. Um, again, that's research that's been, been done. Well, there's an amazing institute in Montreal called BRAMS who do mainly neurology, but they're interested also in this idea of tone deafness, this, the, the idea that people, some people can't sing, and they do a lot of research on that and have actually discovered that only 2.5% of the community really have an, a neurological problem with connecting what they hear with what they what comes out of their mouth. The rest of us... Um, have this ability to to, to um, connect in our brains in all these magical ways, and that it that it improves mood and and all sorts of other kind of abilities of us. So yeah, it's across the board. So as someone who for a long time has suspected that I am part of the two point five percent who are clinically okay. tone deaf, well, <laughs> if I'm not, what is going on? Why is it so uh, hard to sing well? Well, see, I think it's cultural. I think if you were a pygmy in the Congo or you were an Inuit, you would just sing. We used to. In our cultures, we used to. But we've gradually become these consumer cultures where we're told to shut up and listen to other people, for example. Or we're told that there's a kind of hierarchy of good and bad singers. Mm -hmm. And that's to do with a big 19th century, again, consumer culture where people pay to, you know, hear the best singer, hear the genius artist, rather than this natural form of communication, which which was their musical self-expression. We all have it. We all have a voice. (laughs) And we all, mainly we have a love of music. So we just have to connect those two things. Yes, it's such a shame, isn't it, when people feel that they shouldn't sing rather than that they couldn't sing. Lots of texts coming in, Julia Hollander. Paul from Tasmania says, singing is active meditation, especially for the less musically gifted. It is fantastically good for you. So he's on board. Mm. other people too very interested in the idea of how singing can benefit us. I wanted to talk to you, Julia, about the the ways that you have used music in your life. You're a music therapist, but uh, I Mm. wanted to talk in particular about the singing and how it kind of waxed and waned for you around the birth of your second child, Imi. Tell me about Imi. Imi was born in 2022. after a terrible labour. So I hemorrhaged. I had what's called a placental abruption. So my placenta pulled away from my body um, as I went into labour. And so she was deprived of oxygen very, very badly. And during that process, she 
lost her cerebral cortex, it was kind of killed by the oxygen deprivation, which meant that she was very, very severely brain damaged um, at the far end of the cerebral palsy spectrum. Um, she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't really connect in any cognitive sense. She had no understanding of what was going on. And it was absolutely devastating for myself and my family and her older sister, Ellie, who was two and a half. And it's been a huge impact on all of us. But the thing that developed once she was um, benefiting from medication and cared for beautifully uh, by her foster care, which was a huge thing for us as well to, mm, to yes. engage that help. Um, she, I had assumed and been told very definitively by the doctors that she would never have a relationship with me because of this brain damage. But what happened was that I started singing to her and felt very strongly that she was responding. It was really clear to me that from the change in the look on her face and the change in her physicality, she was always really, really tense. She was crying and suffering in all sorts of ways. But when she had singing, she would relax and kind of respond to such a degree that that when we sang certain songs, her, her older sister and me, the big one being Everybody Wants to Be a Cat from the Aristocats, she started to sing. And the way she sang was without words, but she sang on the keynote on the first bar of every bar so she joined in like a proper musician and that was my way of connecting with her and Amy sadly died when she was 13. Julia Hollander, right. you write so powerfully about how when you got the diagnosis your own singing dried up what do you think was going on yes. for you at that point? Oh my goodness well one of the things I don't know if it's the same in Australia, I assume it is. The paediatricians in the special care unit for tiny babies recommend that one of the ways to keep in contact with your baby when it's in an incubator is to sing. Okay, so you sit and you put your face to the little hole in this plastic box and you sing to your baby because you're not allowed to cuddle them or breastfeed them or anything. Yes, I remember. So that's what I did. And I did that. Did you have a baby in Skaboo? Yes. Did you? Yeah, okay. So I did that. I did that for two weeks and I was really completely dedicated to that and I knew loads of baby songs because I'd only had another baby two, two and a half years before and I really thought that was my way of being her mum. And then she had this diagnosis when she was five months old that she couldn't understand and couldn't connect and couldn't have a relationship and my voice stopped. It was, you know, it was my healing power had that's what it felt like. And it comes from such yeah. a place of emotion and sense of identity too, doesn't it? And when those things are, are shaken and stirred, it's it's very, very mm. hard to find your voice. That's but you say right. and, it came yeah. back to you. Yeah. I mean, you just said that really well. I'd, I'd also say for my whole life, I've kind of struggled with this idea that my voice is my most vulnerable part yeah. so that when I'm sharing my voice in public, and this is why I get people who think they can't sing, because you are incredibly vulnerable. It shows your deepest self, your voice. You can't help that. It's showing me now, isn't it? <laughs> so so to share one's vulnerability is actually also 
really powerful, of course, because it makes us human. And I think that's what I gradually discovered within me. I mean, I discovered it from her responding to my voice and my being brave enough to share it. And then, of course, I started getting work um, with other brain damaged people, particularly with people with dementia and discovering how completely miraculous it was to sing with people who've had a whole life of cognition and then lose their ability to speak, their ability to control their world, their ability to understand basic stuff like what that coat hanging on the door is for or what the kettle is for. But when they came to their singing groups, they could speak again. They could sing a song and at the end of the group, they would say something. It was just phenomenal. So I started to realize how precisely the vulnerability that I'd experienced was theirs too, but the how sharing our voices musically actually brought our humanity back and our integrity and our sense of who we were. And there is so much yeah. of that in your book, Why We Sing by Julia Hollander, the subtitle, a memoir about the power of singing to make connections, to heal and expand our lives. Julia, thanks so much for taking the time quite late at night in the UK where you are to chat to us on Life Matters today. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.